in pre preparation for today, I was realizing this is my 22nd Christmas message. I don't say that in, in any kind of braggadocious way. I just say for the 22nd time today, I'm going to have to say this and speak about the story that has not changed one bit in those 22 years. And in some cases, you've heard the Christmas story for 22 years, some of you more and some of you less. And I caught myself this week kind of um, seeing the insecurities that I have kind of rear their heads. And I, I felt like, God, uh, I've, I've said this 21 times. How do I say it again differently? How, how do I teach the Christmas story differently? So that there might be a new twist or a new understanding or, 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 or so that in, in, in all honesty, that you'll leave here today thinking that's an okay guy. I, I, want, I, I, I at times struggle with people wanting, wanting people to like me and to have their, have their approval. And God kind of um, took me back to, uh, to Mary and in the Christmas story. And in Luke chapter 2 verse 19, what, what, Paul, what, what God was showing me was that this, this desire to want to say something in a unique new way that you'll walk out thinking how profound Kevin Sullivan is. Was part of my flesh rearing its head. And I was drawn to what Mary said, or I should say what Luke wrote about Mary after she was told. And we'll, we'll, we're going to look specifically at one aspect of what she was told. In verse 19 of Luke chapter 2, as, as the shepherds had just come and shared about what they had heard. And we're going to listen to them in a moment. It says, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, it says, was treasuring up all these things in her heart. And meditating on them. And I, and I felt a peace as I read that uh, because the Christmas story is something for us to really treasure up in our hearts. It's something for us to kind of revisit the awe and the wonder of what happened on that night. And so this morning what I'd like to do is I'd like to go through and I, and I want us to go through the Christmas story in I think an interesting way. But what I hope you do and what I do is that we will treasure these things in our hearts and that we will meditate upon them. And let's just see what God does if we just simply hear the story and we set down and put away and, and, and put out of our minds whatever those things are that might be distracting us, that might be um, seeking to, to devour us, that might want to uh, arrest our attention into some other place or some other situation. And let's just, let's just listen with our hearts and our minds open and treasure these things and see what God does. And I'm gonna pray to that end. Will you join me, please? Father, thank you for the Christmas story. And thank you, Lord God, that we still have on our calendar a time in which we all gather, wearing our colors, listening to the voices of young children sing about the truth of your son. And God, there's still an opportunity, there's still a chance for all to really come to treasure up in our hearts and to meditate on the story of Christmas and what it means. And I pray, Lord, as we simply read through it, that you will do the work that only you can do. I pray you would speak through me for I have nothing to say. But they have, and those that are listening right now, whether here or tuning in on the live stream, have everything to hear. For your glory, I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I'd like to start this morning by stating the obvious, and, and that is, I imagine some of you uh, have maybe done this yourselves, or you've, you certainly have seen the fact that the gender reveal has taken on a life of its own, right? I mean, there are some incredibly um, uh, dramatic kind of um, the, these, these productions that are just massive and, and just revealing the gender of a baby. And what's funny is sometimes they're so sensational that they go viral. And I'm sure you've seen some of them. Some people have thought it'd be a really good idea to reveal the gender of their baby in a, in a field that hasn't been watered for months with some uh, fire type device. And they've set what they realize is now the landscape's on fire, right? It's crazy. Uh, I, I've seen some where someone thought it'd be a really good idea to shoot fireworks in the color of the baby and people don't see the color because they're scattering for their lives. I've seen where someone uh, has the balloons and they're carefully walking with these balloons and everyone's, you know, kind of excited for this moment and they accidentally fall or something happens and boom, a balloon goes off and they've just preempted this amazing reveal, right? I saw one recently, which was rather entertaining. It was a firefighter and he was sitting at the table with his firefighting buddies and his wife had sent and delivered some cupcakes that he was to share with his firefighter buddies and they were recording it so that his wife could, could watch. And uh, the, one of the cupcakes that he was supposed to eat, which he grabbed, the right cupcake, inside had filling that was going to either be blue or pink. Of course, he didn't know that. And one of his buddies dared him to take it all in one bite. <laughs> what firefighter buddy's not gonna do that? So he picks up the right one, and before his wife, through the FaceTime, could say something to him, and he's just chewing down, and you could just, no, you know, and he wasn't going to take it back out. I don't know if they waited to the next day. Um, I'm just saying. Uh, I, I don't know how that ended, in all honesty. I do not know how that ended. But this morning... I want us to realize that there is a very important aspect of gender reveal in the Christmas story. And what we're going to do very specifically this morning is we're going to look at how the gender reveal took place. And we're going to look at how Mary came to know as she was pregnant, how she came to know the, the gender of her son. Uh, we're going to look at Joseph, who is the husband or, or was actually engaged to Mary at the time, who's the, the husband of Mary. And, and we're going to See how he comes to know the gender. And then we're going to see the outcasts, the outliers, the shepherds, and how they come to hear of this incredible birth announcement. And let me just say, you, you will see in the Christmas story, it is far more than merely a gender reveal. And when I, I want to listen as to how the angels in particular, they're, they're the stars in this. They're the ones that come, and they're the ones that reveal. And they don't use balloons. They don't use uh, any props of any kind. They simply speak. And I want us to listen to what they say. And I want us to treasure in our hearts and meditate on what we celebrate today as Christmas, which we will celebrate next Sunday. Remember, no church. Do not come here. We will not be here. Be with your families. But come Christmas Eve, we've got something super cool. It's going to be amazing. But enough with that. Let's get our Bibles open if we would, or our Bible apps open and find your table of contents. You have an Old Testament and New Testament. I want you to find, we're going to be in Matthew and Luke this morning as we look at the ultimate gender reveal. And we're going to start in the book of Luke. Uh, if you look at Matthew and Luke, they're next to each other. Find out what pages 
Those correspond to in your Bible. And you'll be at chapter 1. I want you to get to Luke chapter 1. All right? And we're going to see how was Jesus revealed to Mary, to Joseph, and to the shepherds. Starting with Mary. Mom goes first. And I'm going to pick it up in chapter 1, verse 26, if you'll follow along with me. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not been intimate with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay. So here's Mary. She's pregnant. Gabriel, the angel, comes to her. And the first thing he says to her, I don't know if he took his angel wings and flapped them and all of a sudden like some blue angel dust came out. But he says, Mary, it's a boy. But it's not just merely a boy. It's much more than a boy, right? He, He goes on to explain. He says, The one that you carry will be called the son of the most high, he says. And the son of the most high is the equivalent of saying he will be the son of God. This is no mere normal baby. This is an expression of divinity, my friends. See, to be the son of God is to have the nature and essence of God. It is to be God. And what Mary was hearing, though she didn't fully understand it, now she would come to understand it better as she gave birth to Jesus as she listened to Jesus, as she watched how he lived, as she connected the dots from the Old Testament. But she would come to know, as we have come to know, that Jesus is God. That Jesus is the physical manifestation, the presence of God who is spirit. And yet, like an ocean, God is an ocean, he's that vast, and yet what he does is he pours himself into the thimble of a human body in the person of Jesus Christ. This is no mere normal baby boy. This is God coming to us. And he says that the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, he says, and his kingdom will have no end. He's telling Mary, Mary, you have in you the son of God who is a king and his kingdom will be forever. And the presumption is is that if a king is coming, then a king is needed. And and I would suggest to you that we need a king. We all need a king. All all of humanity needs a king for for many reasons. Let me just share a few of them with you. We need a king for protection. That's what kings did back in the day. They protected their subjects. Because you see, we live in a broken world. and We we need protection from the evil and the brokenness in this world. But we're broken ourselves. I mentioned to you at the beginning. We're broken in that we have insecurities. We have addictions. We have bitterness. We have resentment. We have jealousy. So we don't not only need protection from broken will, but we need protection sometimes from ourselves. And King Jesus provides the protection that we need. We need a sovereign in our lives 
to protect us and to, to care for us. Now, sometimes in this protection, understand that Jesus in, in protecting us, he pulls us out of the difficult situations. He saves us from them entirely or he uh, prevents us from ever entering into them. And, th- and, and for that, we're thankful. But there are times when he does not pull us out and that in his sovereignty, he uses the, the, the hard times that we have to bring something out of us, to grow us into the likeness of his son. I, I suspect that in this room and those of you that are live stream that you are probably going through something where you're saying, I need protection. I, I want to be pulled out of it. I want to be spared from it. But God's plan is, is not to save you from it, but it's to save you through it. Kings protect, kings also provide. Kings provide for their subjects. And, and we need, everything we, we need, God provides. And you might think, well, well no, I work hard. And, and you do, maybe you do, that's, that's wonderful. But who gives you the air in your lungs? Do you buy it? Do you manufacture it? Do you make it? Or does it come from God as our provider? Who keeps your heart beating? Now granted, can we eat right and exercise and, and, and take what we're given and what God uses to keep us alive and, and do our part? Yes. But as we all know that when God says, your days here are done, Nothing stops that. Your heart stops beating. There's nothing you can do about that. And so kings protect and kings provide. And kings provide what we need. And that, that's, we have the promise of God in there. But you know what all else we also have in, the, in, the, in God's word? Is we have a, a promise that, that God will provide at times more than we need. And we've all experienced that. We've enjoyed the fact that, that we're not all, every moment of our lives living from Paycheck to paycheck and barely making it. You might be in a season of that. But, but there are ways and God can provide for you ways that you can be out of that. And, the, and that you can actually provide uh, and have provided for you something greater than you need. But here's the caveat. God tells us, he goes, I, I'm not just a God that's going to provide for your needs. I'm going to provide f- for things beyond your needs. But I want to test you. I, I want you to enjoy them. But I want you to understand that when I provide beyond your needs, it's not just for your mere enjoyment, but it's to help those who are in need. So a king protects, a king provides. Lastly, what a king does is a king unites. You see, when there's one king, imagine if we were all living to please Jesus the king. If we were all seeking to to obey the commands of Jesus, that that would bring us together. And I mean, come on, do we not need some unity now? I mean, our, our country our culture is so polarized and we and we take our sides and we 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 lob bombs on into the other side and we say things to defend our side uh, at the expense of the other side and and Jesus has come to unite and if we are all pursuing him and seeking after him and to please him which means we would please and serve one another do you see how that as as King Jesus would provide for us unity now, we don't, we don't like a king. We don't want a king. Let's be honest. We, we, we don't like to really answer to any authority other than our, ourselves. We, we really don't particularly like that. And so we, we push against this idea of a king. We don't like to be out of control and actually have to submit and surrender to somebody else. We, we like being in control. And we like our freedom. And I know there are some of you right now thinking, and we talked about this last week, there are some of you thinking right now, that you think to follow Jesus is to give up freedom. In a way it is, earthly speaking. 
But remember we talked about last week and we, and we used this analogy that, of a fish. And, and a fish does not give up freedom when it cannot be on the land. It, a, a, a fish enjoys the freedom for which it was created underwater. And if we were to try to take a fish out of water and say, come, let me show you the beauty of the land, the fish would die because it was not designed. The fish would lose freedom when its restriction and constraint was taken away. And the same is for us. When we're following Jesus, when we're submitted and surrendered to him as king, my friends, you will not be any freer than that. And I will not be any freer than that as well. And so we see in this incredible ultimate gender reveal, we see that it's a boy and he's a king. What next? Where do the angels go next? Well, I want to go to Matthew chapter 1. So if you marked Matthew chapter 1, flip. It's the next book to the left from Luke, Matthew chapter 1. The angels are on the scene again, starting in verse 18. So the birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what, you have, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. It's a boy. And you, are the, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And he's speaking specifically of Isaiah. And he quotes Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will name him Emmanuel, which translated is God with us. When Joseph got up from, the sleep, from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So we see the angel coming to Joseph, who is to be married to Mary, and what we understand is, as we saw before, is that this is no or normal conceived child this is a supernatural conception it says that he was conceived in her by the holy spirit why that way was god just trying to show off and say hey look what i can do or is there significance to this my friends there's significance to this you see we understand in psalm 51 that we are all born everybody in this room anyone who has ever been born is born in sin and that means that when two sinful people come together and conceive a child, that child is born sinful. And it was very important for Jesus and the mission that he was on in coming to earth that he be born sinless. And so God circumvents the process. And he supernaturally conceives in Mary, through the Holy Spirit, a sinless child. We'll come back to that in a moment. The angel says that you're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus is actually the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Joshua. And we understand that the Jews were Hebrews. And Joshua means God saves. And so Jesus receives the name that God saves. Now I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the Jews for just a moment. They're not free. They are in the land that God had promised to them to make them a great nation, but they were occupied by Rome. They were mistreated. They didn't have the freedom to be the people of God. They were miserable. 
And they were probably praying regularly, God, save us. Save us. I want you to think for a moment, what would happen if, say, China invaded here? And they became the occupier. And we had to submit and surrender and live underneath the occupation of China. How would we like that? Would we not be crying out for freedom? Would we not be asking God? Would we not be trying to employ freedom ourselves? I imagine we would be. And so here are the people of God, the chosen people of God. They're occupied by Rome. And the Messiah, who was the long-awaited Savior, who they knew was going to come. The Old Testament prophets talked about it over and over. Because we're not talking a few years of occupation. We're talking hundreds of years in terms of being exiled, taken out of their nation, out of their country, and to other places like Iran and Iraq, present-day Iran and Iraq. And here's what they hear. A Savior is born today. But what they don't hear is that he will save you from Rome. But what they do hear is he will save you from your sins. And, and that is something that you have to just think about. Is that what they really thought they needed? But was it what they really needed? We're going we're gonna to come back to that in a moment as we look at the shepherds. But I just want that to kind of hang out there just for a moment. The th- Part of what I read that I really want to focus on is in verse 23. It's, it's actually 700 years before Mary was pregnant, there was a gender reveal. And it was in Isaiah. When Isaiah says, see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will name him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. So why did, and some, maybe you never thought this or maybe you have and you thought, well it's no big deal, I'm not going to ask the question necessarily. But Joseph was told to name Jesus what? Jesus. And yet here, Isaiah is prophesying that they will name him Emmanuel. Which one is it? Well, we have to understand that Jesus is his given and proper name. And Emmanuel is like a title. As a matter of fact, a few chapters later, Isaiah says that you will call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. And so Emmanuel becomes a title, and, and Jesus was given titles so that we could understand him and, and, the, and, and the scope of who he is. And Emmanuel means God with us. And so what we have in the birth of Jesus is we have Jesus being revealed as God with us, which means he is, he's present among us. I mean, let that sink in for him. God comes to earth in the person of Jesus. He comes to us. In a relatable way. And he came to us because he wants a relationship with us. And he comes in a way that we can connect with him. You see, we long to be known and to be fully known. Every one of us, deep down inside, we want to be known and fully known without having to pretend, without having to put a mask on, without having to hold back information. We just want to, this is who I am. And I want to be known for who I am. I want to be loved for who I am. And I want to be accepted for just being who I am. And you'll, you'll, you'll not find that, my friends, you will not find that in the best marriage. You will not find that in the closest friendship. You will not find that in the strongest um, uh, parent-child relationship. You will only find that in God through Jesus Christ. And, and he loves us in a way you can never be loved. He loves us not to leave us in how we are and how we want to be accepted even with our, our faults. He says, no, I want to I clean you up. I want to shape you into the likeness of my son, Jesus. And that can only come through Christ, 
in a relationship with God through Christ. And so he comes to us in a way that we can relate to him. He comes as a baby. Isn't that fascinating that he comes in a baby? Why didn't Jesus just show up like at, at the age of like 25? Boom, here I am. Why a baby? Well, one part of that is we can see a baby grow up. You can come to know a baby. You can go, yeah, I know Jesus. He's Joseph's son. Yeah, I saw him grow up and it was amazing. The craziest thing happened. My kids were selfish. They were slapping people and Jesus just was perfect. Really, really kind of drove me crazy. Why couldn't I have a baby like Jesus? But we see him grow up and, and we come to know him and, 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 and they could know him. And what we come to find about God, we know exclusively through Jesus. You see, Jesus is God in a body. And so if we want to know what God is like so that we can be in relationship with God, so we can relate to God, so we can connect to God, we look to Jesus. And in Jesus, we see these amazing things. We don't have time to go through what Jesus did and what he thought and how he felt and how he lived and what he said. But what we do know is, you know what Jesus did? He pursued outcasts. He went to the least, the last, and the lost. He went to them. He partied with them. He sought after them. That's who he was, and that's who God is. He loves us unconditionally. That means without having to perform. He loves you just for you. Now, by loves, let me, understand, let me just clarify that. He loves us in a way that he wants to shape us into the best person that we can be, which is in the likeness of Christ. He doesn't love us in a way that says, hey, do whatever you want because that's what love is. My friends, that's not what love is. Love is doing whatever you can for the person that you love to see them become the best they can be. And the best they can be may not be what they want to be and how they want to live. And, and, and that's what we have in God through Christ is we have someone who loves us unconditionally. Get this, he despised religion without relationship. Can you relate to that? When you see people acting religiously with, it's like, it's, it's like they're robots. It's like, it's like their heart's not engaged and, and they just kind of are marching along and, and they can be judgmental and hypocritical. Jesus despised it even more than you did. He despised relationship, or excuse me, religion without relationship. He invites everybody to follow him. Follow me. You don't have to be of a certain socioeconomic status. You don't have to be of a, of a certain ethnicity. You don't have to be a, a citizen of a certain country. Follow me. He invites all to follow him. He speaks about absolute truth. My friends, there is truth in this world. There is absolute truth in this world. It is not as subjective as our culture wants us to think that it is. There is an absolute truth. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, he said. And do I have to mention that he showed unspeakable courage to go to the cross, to have nails pounded into his hands and to his feet, to have a sword thrust into his chest, to die for you and to die for me so that our sins could be forgiven. Just let Treasure this up. You can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You can have that relationship just as real as the person you're sitting next to. Just as real. Dare I say, even more real. Because only God can really fully know you and desires to know you. Just let that settle. That's what we're seeing in this incredible ultimate gender reveal. 
And today what we have that they didn't have then is when we become followers of Jesus and put our faith and trust in his work and not our own, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes inside of us and now we're closer to God than we ever could be, than anyone ever has been because we have the Spirit of God inside of us. And the purpose of the Spirit of God is to champion Jesus in us. The purpose of the Spirit of God is to draw us so close to God through Christ that we're not calling God Father, we're calling him Daddy. And he embraces that, he wants that, he desires that. That's possible, that is within reach. If you thought it wasn't. Lastly, let's take a turn out away from everybody else on this night and let's look at Luke chapter two, verses eight through 15, and they come to the shepherds. The shepherds were in many cases the outliers. Verse eight of chapter two, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, whoops, yeah, that like Luke chapter two. I'm sorry, I'm in Matthew. Let's try to find Luke. Sorry, Luke. Chapter two, verse eight. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior, who is Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find him wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see what's, what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us the shepherds they're there and and here comes this is really not so much a gender reveals it is a birth announcement i apologize but i'm sneaking this in okay and what they reveal to the shepherds is they say that there's good news of great joy what what possibly could be the good news i mean when you hear something's good news that means present current is either not so good or just eh this is something that's like oh wow good news well what might that be well he says A savior who is Messiah has been born. Jesus is revealed as king. He's revealed as God with us. And now he is revealed as savior. He has come to save. And again, they're thinking saving from Rome. He's thinking saving from something that is a greater oppressor than your Roman occupation. And that is you and the sin that's in you. And this is why Jesus had to be sinless because his mission was to come to live a perfect life on our place when we couldn't and then to die a substitutionary death that God would accept. And the only way God would accept it is if Jesus was sinless from the moment he was born to the moment he died on the cross. And that is exactly what he did. He died to pay for our sins. And then he was raised three days later and that was God's way of saying, I accept this sacrifice. And the angel says that it's with great joy for all the people. Again, it's great joy in the sense that they wanted their circumstances changed. They wanted to be rescued from Rome. And and I suspect, are there some of you in here who are in a difficult situation and you're saying, God, rescue me. God, save me. Get me out of this. Or prevent what might be coming up in front of me. I get that. I've, I've prayed those prayers. I've asked those things of God. But God has come when he came the first time, God came to save them not from their circumstances, but to save them from their sins. Because sin is the greater oppressor, is the greater evil. 
is the greater struggle. And the same holds for you and me. Is it possible that God wants to save us through what you're going through? Is it possible that God is using what you're going through to show you that there's sin in your life that he wants to save you from? To show me that there's, there's sin in my life that he wants to save me from? Is it, is it possible? Because the Christmas story would lead you to believe that it is. And so you have to ask yourself, you might be asking something that God says, no, I, I, I need to save you through this, not from it. But my friends, I, I hope you've come to realize in this imperfect world and in your brokenness and in mind that we need a savior. We need a savior who will save us because we are one, insecure. Every one of us has insecurities. We try to hide them by how hard we work. We try to hide them by how pretty we try to appear. We try to hide them by how great our kids are because we're insecure. And Jesus came to save us from insecurity. Secondly is we're addicted. Everybody in this room, everybody in this room is addicted to something. Just accept that. There is something you always go to, there's something I always go to when times get tough, when I become afraid, when I just wanna escape and, and kinda numb myself. We all escape to something and whatever we escape to is what we're addicted to. And Jesus came to break that, to save us, to give us freedom from that. He came to save us from, from anxiety. He came to save us from guilt. Even if you're not a Christian, let's just, you're not, let's just say you're not a follower of Jesus. You have your own moral code. You have inside you a sense of right and wrong because there are things that, that, that you think are wrong that get you angry in others and you see them in yourself. And, and the question is, what do you do with that when you break your own code of ethics? How do you handle the guilt that you kind of carry around with you? What, what do you? Jesus came to save us from that because he's Savior. Lastly, is we need a Savior because we're gonna be held accountable for our lives. We're gonna be held accountable as to whether we lived our lives in light of believing that Jesus is King and God with us and Savior or not. And, and you don't wanna be on the side where you stand before God and you say, hey, look at all the good things I did, God. I'm, I'm a pretty good guy, aren't I? He's gonna say, as Jesus tells us, he's gonna say, depart from me, leave, I never knew you. And when we accept Jesus as Savior, we see that it says, and peace on earth to people he favors. We can have peace and no peace that transcends our circumstances. But it's a peace that comes to those he favors. Who does he favor? He favors those who see Jesus and live their lives in light of the fact that he is king, that he is God with us. He is he is God himself and that he is savior and he's the only way. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that is what Christmas is. That is what we are to ponder and treasure up in our minds and our hearts and then to live in light of that. So I wanna encourage you to do that as you still have this week and with your family and with your children and, and that I would do the same, that we would ponder these things, we would treasure these things, we would reflect upon these things and see what God does. And my challenge for you this week is would would you receive the greatest gift that you'll ever receive that's ever been offered and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is, it is knowing God intimately. Um, it is um, living for God's glory and honor and not your own and, and, and it's the freest you will ever be. I, I just, I'm extending that offer on behalf of God. He says, this is what Christmas is about. 
And on the back, there's, there's connect cards. On the back, if, if your desire is to be in a relationship with God, to accept this free, amazing gift, to be forgiven for all your sins, past, present, and future because of what God has done for you, the greatest gift you could have, well, then just check the back of that box so that we can follow up with you. And my friends, I promise you, we won't rush you, we won't push you. We didn't like that. We'll answer questions that you have, but we'll help you move along. So this Christmas is different than any Christmas you've ever experienced. Secondly is, and I want to ask this to the Christians. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. It's his birthday. What are you going to give him as a gift? What have you been holding back from him? What, what, what sin do you think, ah, I like this one. I'm doing all these other good things, but I like this one. I like to escape occasionally. Or what are you afraid of and you're not stepping out and embracing and you're going to let that fear just kind of keep you from doing what you know God wants you to do. Just think about, what are you going to give him this season, this Christmas, from you? What gift are you going to give him? And then lastly, may I challenge you to invite someone to Christmas Eve. We're going to have an amazing time here. Some really neat things are planned. We have a building and we just have some creativity that's really, really exciting. So maybe you can invite somebody that you know is kind of far away from God. Let's see Take a flyer, be courageous, and invite them. Let's just see what God does with that, okay? Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the story of Christmas. Thank you, Lord God, that you revealed far more than a gender in the person of Jesus. You revealed him as our king. We are to subject and surrender ourselves to him, and we will find the greatest freedom in doing that. That you have revealed him as God with us, you, God, all present, ever knowing, all powerful, localized yourself in the body of Jesus so that we could relate to you and connect with you because to know Jesus is to know you. And Father, we thank you that you revealed Jesus as our Savior to save us from this broken world and to save us from ourselves. We thank you for that gift. I pray we will contemplate what we give back to you to celebrate your birth, Jesus. In Christ's name I pray, amen.